Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, thank you, Joe, and hello, my friends. This is John O'Leary, and I am so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, I have amazing guests join me to share their story, their successes, their failures, their lessons, yes, their life. You will hear profound and unforgettably inspiring stories, but more importantly, you will take away real ideas to apply in your own life. My friends, the goal here is to have guests on this show that will inspire you to choose to wake up from accidental living so that you can live inspired. We're going to get right into it today. Sometimes in life, you need to leave home in order to find what really matters. And that is exactly what Lolly Daskal, our guest today, discovered as she journeyed away from who she knew and all she knew to discover indeed what matters most and what it means for the rest of us. So my friends, put on your seatbelts, get ready to uh, be inspired through the story, through the example, through the life, and through the lessons of our guest today, Lolly Daskal. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored. No, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. And for those who follow us who yet are unfamiliar with you and your work, tell us a little bit more about what you do today, Lolly. Um, so for the past three decades, I've been a leadership coach and a business consultant. I work with many industries around the world, anywhere from finance to biomedical to anything that you can imagine. I've actually been, um, I have been working with these companies. I have been working with companies and um, my biggest, I would say, I live and breathe leadership and my company's called Lead From Within. When you say lead from within, what does that mean to you? So lead from within actually came to me um, when I was almost 17 years old. I was going through a challenge and I was looking outside for someone to save me. I was looking for someone to help me. I was asking why me, why me, why me? Hmm. And I wasn't really succeeding because I was looking on the outside. And then one day it was almost like a knock on the head. And it's and it said something like, Lolly, if anything is going to change, you're going to have to change it yourself. And it's going to have to start from within. You're going to need to lead from within. And I'll never forget those words. And I don't know where it came from. Was it a voice above, a voice, something that I knew? It was, it was just very, it was a very powerful and loud message. And it was something that has stayed with me forever. So when I started my company, I said, you know what? I'm going to call it Lead From Within. Why? Because it taught me yeah. that if I was going to survive, if I was going to go through my challenge, it would have to start from me. It starts from leading from within. Well, let's talk about you. And let's talk not only about what you're doing today and what you've been doing for the last uh, numerous years, but let's take it all the way back, Lolly. Where are you from originally? I grew up in New York in a small place. I, I, I think of it as small. I don't think it's very small, but it's in Brooklyn where, in, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. 
But my community, it felt like it was had a 20 block radius um, because in my community, we didn't speak English. We spoke Yiddish and people spoke German and Hungarian and it felt a lot like we were living in Europe. It didn't feel like we were living in the United States. So it felt very, very small. And actually, we weren't that involved in the outside world. We mm -hmm. were very much a very small community involved in what we were doing and how we were living. So it was until later on in my life, I figured, oh, there's anything outside these 20 blocks yes. radius. <laughs> L Lolly, you, you had siblings, mom and dad? I have three siblings. My brother passed away two years ago, and I have a mom and dad. And um, you know, we grew up a very in a very religious home. T t talk about it. What was it like growing up? So, in the way I grew up is that I was a very curious child, and most of the time I would ask, "Why? Why? I don't understand why." And it wasn't something that was celebrated because the way I grew up is this is the way it needs to be. Yes. This is the way it should be. And um, it was very disconcerting to my teachers, to my parents. What's with this child, especially a gal, a girl? You know, she keeps asking and she wants to know more. And she's uh, it wasn't very celebrated. Um, it serves me now yes. as an adult, but at the time I always felt like I was being, in, I, I was in trouble because I was going to ask a question and, um, it wasn't until I was 16 or 17 after I left, you know, left my home and left my community is when I started to find books, wow, books that I could ask any question and then find an answer in a book that my life started to open up. It was my life I where I felt I was actually starting to live. And it didn't feel so small, my life, but it started to have this expansive feeling that I could do anything and be anyone and ask any question. Lal, you mentioned, I think, that when you were 17, you, you faced some challenges. Uh, talk a little bit about what you were dealing with. So um, in my community, the way we grew up is that you live a certain life. You go to school, you get married at 16, at 17, you have your first child, at 18, you have your second, then you have 12 children, and then you live happily ever after. But that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted something different. And the idea of breaking away and doing something on my own and doing something different than what everybody else was doing was challenging only because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't know where I was going to go. But the idea of being different really made me feel uncomfortable because they were thinking one thing and I wanted to do something else. So I felt like I had no home. I had to go find where home was. I had to go find what I was going to do in the world. You know, most of us find home at home, hopefully. And uh, it, it sounds like you had to leave home in order to figure out what it actually meant. Beautifully put, exactly. I had to leave home to find my home. So where, where did you, you know, you're in Brooklyn, which I've never considered a small town in my whole life, but hey, you're in a small community within Brooklyn. Where'd you go after you left home? So it was very difficult for me because I was kind of lost. Sometimes you have to get lost to be found. And so I went to, I studied, I took workshops everywhere. I did Est, I did Landmark, I did the Forum. I went to live on an ashram. And I did for everything those who may not know those imagine. names, t t talk a little bit about Landmark, for instance, or any, any, any of the ones you just mentioned. What were you looking for and finding in these programs? I was looking for myself. 
I was looking for who Lolly Daskal is. Growing up, I didn't feel like I had an identity. I didn't know who I was. I kept thinking, who do you want to be? That was always the question. But I didn't realize I had to find out who I am. Yeah. And um, in Landmark, you dive deep into all kinds of questions about who you are. Why do you think the way you do? And I went from one sh- workshop after the next. And I enrolled myself in every human behavior course workshop, college that you can imagine, core energetics, Reiki, anything, anything to do with human behavior. Um, I was devouring like I was parched, like I had, I hadn't had a drink for years. And what's interesting, what was happening with each one of these courses, with each one of these certifications that I was getting, I was finding that again, this lead from within. It was never going to be that someone was going to help me save me or answer everything that I needed to know. Everything that I needed to know was within me. And I was the only one that could answer those questions. And go ahead. No, no, no. Ask me. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. You're 16, 17, 18, a young woman in the absolute prime of her life, most are uh, candidly trying to go on a phenomenal spring break, maybe find a cool summer job, discover where they want to go to college. You're on a completely different path. What what made you so different than the majority of folks, not only in society, but specifically in your neighborhood? You know, that's a great question. I always felt a little bit uncomfortable my whole childhood. Um, I remember thinking I'd rather spend time with adults than kids my own age. And I was just very curious. I wanted to know how everything worked. And I felt very confined growing up. And once I left home and I realized that the world is vast, it's big, it's expansive, I wanted every part of it. I wanted to understand it. Um, I'll never forget the first time I walked into a bookshop and I saw all these books. I was like, oh my God, should I start at the A's and work through the Z's? Because, um, you don't, I'll tell you something. I read a book every day now and I've been doing this now for over 27 years because once I found books, I knew that my life would change and anything that I needed to know would be in a book. And Miss Lolly, I, I have friends who have not read books since they graduated college, and they are right now are are stunned as they're driving to work listening to the fact that you read a book a day. How, t- tell me and us, how in the world you get through a book a day? So I have a couple of rituals that I learned a long time ago because they have saved my life, <laughs> and they've brought um, richness in a way and wealth in a way that I can't get any other way. So one of the rituals is... When everybody else is running to the gym, I run to a book. So between the hours of 4.30 and 6.30 every single morning, I read a book. And it's a book, and I have certain subjects that I like. There is philosophy, there's poetry, there's biography. I love biography books. There are psychology books, leadership books, business books. I don't just read one genre, but I try to have, at the end of the week, after seven days, I say, okay, wow. What did you accumulate? And the truth is I read a book a day is because when I meet my clients on a daily basis, I want to be able to share something with them that Mm. I didn't know yesterday. Mm. I want to share a story with them that maybe that I've read. I want to share a thought or a prose or a concept or a passage that I didn't know yesterday. And so that's mainly why I've kept it up all these years. It started because I was curious and it ended up being because it really filled this toolkit 
of who I was as a leadership coach and as a business consultant. Do you keep a journal while you're reading? You know, I used to, I used to, and um, I don't anymore. Now, sometimes I take pictures on my iPhone to remember it. And lately, I've been trying to memorize passages, but Mm -hmm. it's harder than I thought. (laughs) Well, gosh, when you're, you're adding a book a day into the content within your mind, it's an awful lot to hold on to, I would imagine. As as you progressed from late teens into your early 20s, what, what were you discovering about yourself? You know, I discovered many, many things, but, and it wasn't easy. Self-discovery isn't easy. It's, you know, you find, you feel that you're never going to get out of some darkness, that you're always like on a, like uh, on this wheel, right? What is that animal that it keeps going on the wheel, the hamster on the wheel, right? It's like, am I ever going to get out of this? Am I ever going to get out of this? Is this ever going to get better? And it was a book that I read. There are three books that I read that changed my life, but a book that I read by Joseph Campbell that said, in your abyss lies your treasures. And that was a game changer for me because I thought, okay, you, you have the wrong concept, Lolly. You're looking at things as if they're dark, as if they're bad. But the truth is what treasure is within this moment? What treasure are you going through right now? And that to me has a game, been a game changer because that's how I try to look at everything that goes on in my life. So as we know, we go through life and we have this idea about what we want it to be, but mm. life doesn't unfold that way. Life comes with detours and failures and it comes with distractions. And sometimes I'm disappointed, but if I can remember that in the abyss there are treasures, then I can be okay. So you've read this. It certainly moved your heart and soul and, and life afterwards, Lolly. And you've read On Fire, and you know in the book itself that I talk quite a bit about inflection points, moments in time that change everything afterwards. Looking back on your life, were there any inflection points that you now look back on it realizing, wow, that, that was a game-changing moment, experience, or person? Absolutely. So for, so for a couple of years, for three, four years, I dove into Let's Find Lolly. And then I realized that I was studying all about myself, but there was something missing. And so I took myself to a place in California called Esalen, where I ran a workshop. And in the workshop, I was of service to others. And all of a sudden, I felt really complete. It was all this journey of finding myself now I was sharing it with others and I found it was my sweet spot. I really liked it. And I loved that I could be of service to others and show others that who they were was okay. Mm-hmm. And whatever they were going through would be okay. And it was in that workshop that someone came over to me afterwards and said, you know, I really like the way you teach. I love the way you run this workshop. I have a problem in my business. Can I discuss it with you? And in my mind, I kept thinking, why does he want to discuss it with me? Mm-hmm. And I was feeling a little insecure and a little like an imposter. I don't know what I'm going to answer him, a fraud. And he started to talk to me about his business. And I was asking him questions and questions. And he really liked the way I was dealing with the problem. I was navigating through the problem. He said, would you join me on my team and be part of my company? And would you? could you be my coach? And I remember thinking, I don't deserve to be his coach. Mm. But I said, yeah, I I could do it. And that's a pivot moment. Sometimes in our lives, we feel like, 
we don't deserve it or we're not worthy or we can't step up to the next step of who we need to be. And I could have easily said no, but I said, okay, let's go. I took a leap. And when I took that leap, my life changed because not only did I start working with him, but he loved the work that I was doing and he started to recommend me to everybody. Everybody kept saying to him, how did you change? How did you pivot? What's happening in your business? And they said, oh, I have a secret weapon. I'm drinking the lolly Kool-Aid. And they all said, I want that Kool-Aid. And so he actually started my business. Hmm. But if I would have said no, if I would have said I'm not worthy and not deserving, that wouldn't have been a pivot point in my life. Lolly, I know you have a book coming out, and I would imagine many of the ideas you coach around and teach on are unpacked in the book. Can, can you walk us through a couple principles that you share within your book? So um, as I said earlier, I read a book a day, and I know all the books that are out there lately about leadership. And what I found that there was a gap, there was a void in the books that I felt that I wanted to fill. So for 30 years, I've been teaching this system called the Rethink System. Rethink is an acronym of seven archetypes, because this is what I have found with my clients, and I have coached thousands and thousands of people. Most people, most coaches, most books will tell you how to do things, when to do things, where to do things. A couple of years ago, why to do things became very popular. And I wanted people to understand that who they were being while they were leading was the most important thing they needed. Because if you know who you are, then you could do all the hows and the whys and the whens and the wheres, and you can even figure out your why. So I found the foundational element of who needed to be addressed. And um, after coaching clients for so many years, I realized that there were seven who's, there were seven archetypes that I saw show up within every single person that I was talking to. And it was universal. It didn't matter if I was in Europe or China or America. Everybody was talking about these seven things that they were, that they were experiencing. But what I also found was that within those archetypes, there is a polarity. That within each character of who we are, there's a polarity that is a gap that is almost like a shadow. And if we're not careful, it can cost us in our greatness. Mm. And so I illustrate in this book, the seven archetypes and the seven gaps that come with these archetypes. So, and this is something else, John, that makes this really different. Most books are about, you know, when you have an archetype, it's okay, it's my initials, it's my strength finder, it's who I am. Right. And what makes this book different is it's situational. That any given moment of your life, you can ask yourself, which one of these seven archetypes do you need to be? Will Because one will lead to greatness and one will lead to a gap. And if we know this system, it's a game changer in our lives. It's a game changer in our business because we get to choose. So that's what makes this book so different and so special. Lolly, whether you want to share all seven and sprint us through it or dive into a few that you want to focus a little bit more on, why don't, why don't you take us... Take us forward right now. I'd love to share. I'd like to start from the beginning. I don't think we have enough time for all seven, but let's start with the R of the rethink system. So the first one is the rebel. The rebel is someone who wants to make an impact on the world. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to do something really significant. It's almost like a rebel with a cause. But in order to do that, they have to have the characteristic of having confidence. But confidence doesn't come from standing in front of the mirror and saying, I am the greatest, I am the best. That's not what confidence is. 
What I have found confidence is, is when you know what your capabilities are, when you, if you know what your competence, competence, oh my God, competence are. So it's between capabilities and competence equal confidence. So when you know what you're really good at, when you know what you've mastered, that's where the confidence comes from. And I believe that when you have this confidence, you can do everything and anything in the world. But every single person that wants to be a rebel who looks for their confidence has a gap. And that is of the imposter who suffers from feeling like they have self-doubt. It's the person that says, oh, you want me to be your coach, but I don't think I'm deserving. Oh, you want me to start a business with you? Well, I don't think I'm smart enough. I didn't go to the best schools. I don't have what you have. I'm not smart. I'm not good. I'm not deserving. I mean, we can spend an hour just talking about what the imposter usually says to us and what how it causes us to have self-doubt. And so I teach my clients that at any given moment, we can ask ourselves, do we want to be the rebel who has confidence, which will lead us to greatness, or would we allow the gap of the imposter with self-doubt who will lead us to our gaps and cause us and actually cost us in our greatness? So we always have a choice of what we want to do. Think back to my story. When that first client came over, I could have said, you know, I don't deserve this. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could do this. But what I did was, is I found the rebel within. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And it ended up inspiring a whole business 30 years later. Lolly, why, why do you think it is that all of us, and I really do think it is all with a capital A-L-L, struggle with that shadow of not thinking that we are worthy and not thinking that we are good enough in, in some cases? Why, why, why do we all deal with that, that, uh, that gremlin or that limiting belief? So it's true. In my research, I found it was 99.1% of individuals, high-achieving individuals, suffer from the imposter syndrome. And by the way, John, I coached the 1%. I found the one man who has no imposter within him, who has no self-doubt. But he came to me because he said, Lolly, coach me to have empathy for my clients. Coach me to have empathy for my team because I don't understand when they say they have self-doubt. So I found the 1%, but for everybody else, including me, when we have self-doubt, the reason we have self-doubt is for a couple of reasons. Number one is we're so busy measuring ourselves by everybody else that we end up feeling less worthy within ourselves. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is that in our minds, negative message are very prominent. We're always saying to ourselves, we're not good in this, we're not good in that, and we're constantly saying that. We don't spend that much time saying, oh, I did this great yesterday, oh, I really did this well. We rather go and to the parts that aren't great about ourselves than rather to the parts that are really good about ourselves. And I think that's what fuels and that's what feeds the imposter within us. So help me and the rest of us make the shift from being imposters and feeling like we are not worthy, that we're not as good as someone else, that we can't do the next best thing, to, to making the leap to being a really active rebel with confidence and clarity around the value of our lives. So there's a, remember I said earlier that I have certain rituals that I do. So I read a book in the morning, but then I have another ritual at night that I have been doing 
for many, many years. And it's because I used to feel like the imposter, that I didn't feel worthy or deserving. So the ritual has two parts to it. The first part is I think about all the things that I did well that day. And I used to write them down. Now I use them in the form of a meditation. Lolly, who did you serve today? Who did you make an impact with? How did you make a difference today? And I usually take account of all the of all those things. And the reason I do that is because I do have negative messages in my mind, but I'm trying to even out the messages with all the negativity that I might have. I will now have some positive messages. So when it goes to being negative, I could say, well, you know, Lolly, you did something really great yesterday. They told you that you made an impact. They said you made a difference. And so it's almost this inner dialogue Mm -hmm. that I have with myself to counteract the negative messages in my mind. The second part of that ritual is a very important part of the ritual. I ask myself every night, Lolly, what can you do tomorrow than you were better today? And by doing that, I'm only measuring myself against myself. I'm not looking outside. I'm not saying, what did John do that was so great? What did Richard do? What did Jane do? I'm asking about Lolly. I'm thinking about Lolly. When I ask myself, what can I do better tomorrow than I did today? I'm celebrating what I did today, but tomorrow I'm going to do better. I am now leveraging who I am so tomorrow I can take myself to the next level. And this little ritual really helps with the imposter within because I'm not looking outside, but I'm remembering what I'm really good at. Lolly, when you know when, when you write a book like you have done and like I have done as well, there, there's a few parts within the book looking back on it that really jump off at you. Stories, ideas, concepts. Looking through your book right now, is, is there an exercise, a concept, an awareness that you're like, oh, gosh, I cannot wait for my readers to get to this part. So one thing I want to say about this book, if you've ever wondered what's happening in Fortune 500's boardrooms with CEOs, read this book because you get an insight and almost like and a look into what happens with them, what is going on at a very high level, uh, at a high, at a very high level in our industries and in our businesses. And what happens is, is that people start to find every single person that has read this book said, "This book is so relatable. I'm in this book. I know you're talking about this Fortune 500 CEO, but." This I go through this thing. I also suffer from this. This is also me. So what I really like about this book and what I think people will really enjoy is that they will find themselves on every page of every single in this book. Any story is relatable, is insightful, and they have takeaways of how to leverage themselves. Most books feel like, oh, it's happened to them. It's not happening to me. These same things are happening like to ourselves. Like think about the imposter. It's happening to us, but it's happening to the Fortune 500 CEO. Um, We have this idea, one of the archetypes is a navigator opposed to a fixer. It's happening within us, within our business. People will really feel that they're in this book and they'll know what to do about the next time they come up with a challenge, the next time they're in stress, or the next time they have a crisis. Lala, you you left home a couple decades ago. looking for home. Have you found it yet? I have found it. I have three beautiful, beautiful children. Um, they're out in they're out in the universe now doing their thing and they know they can always come home. Hopefully they feel my home is their home, but I found it within my children. Yes. Uh, how old are your babies? 
26, 24, and 22. Uh, and they're all that you've shipped them all around the U.S. and beyond. Well, um, my daughter, my eldest is a teacher for young children. My son started a couple of startups, and my daughter's studying history. Uh, looking back on your life, Lolly, is, is there one individual that has just really touched your life deeply? Uh, a mentor, teacher, rabbi, pastor, whom, you know, whoever just showed up right on time and, and made a huge difference. I think it's the three mentors in my life who have changed my life, have made the biggest impact on my life, and I've never met them. And the first person who changed my life was Viktor Frankl mm. when I read his book, The Man's Search for Meaning. I realized that any challenge that anybody goes through, any difficulty anybody goes through, you can survive if you find meaning in what you're going through. And that was a game changer for me. The second person was Joseph Campbell when I read his book. And in the abyss, you'll find treasures. And I knew, okay, this is another mentor. I have to keep his books by my nightstand and keep reading whatever he has to say. And the third one was Carl Gustav Jung, who taught me about archetypes and about shadow work and gaps within ourselves, that we have this polarity and we have to own all of who we are. Because when we only say we're going to work on our strengths and not on our weaknesses, we are fragmented. So we have to create and celebrate every part of who we are, the strengths and the weaknesses, the darkness and the lights, the greatness and the gaps. Woo. Right on and could not agree more. Uh, Lala, you, you know now that uh, at the Live Inspired podcast that we always wrap up our episodes by sharing seven questions of all of our guests. And it's, it's kind of a, a theme, a thread that pulls everything together. So we're thrilled you're on, and we're going to ask you the seven questions. The first one is, what's the best book you've read? A t read a ton of them, but what's the the best book you've ever read? So the book that I reread every year on my birthday is Viktor Frankl's book, The Man's Search for Meaning. I feel that he reboots the year for me in a way that keeps me grounded in what's important. And so The Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl is my favorite book, and I give them out as gifts to everyone. Uh, and the wild thing about Viktor Frankl, we've had probably seven or eight guests recently share Frankl's impact on their life, and none of them met Frankl directly. It's it's the power of word, it's the power of life, and I think ultimately it's the power of finding meaning in the worst of it all and sharing that the rest of us can find it there as well. Absolutely. Uh, Tamara Lally, you discover that your wealthy uncle has shockingly died at 103, leaving you with millions what would you do with that newfound wealth? I'm very, very passionate about getting every single homeless person off the street and setting them up with a home, making sure they have a warm, you know, they have warm meals and food in, in their fridge. So I would do everything that I can. I hope he leaves me many millions so I can help <laughs> all the homeless. If your house caught fire and all living things and all living people were out, you had an opportunity to run in and grab one item, just one. What would you grab? My books? No, I, I love my books, but now we can get them on Kindle. But you know what I would take? This, man said, this might sound strange a little bit, but you know how we take pictures on our iPhone now and we have pictures on our computers? Well, I have hundreds of pictures of my children when they, when they were younger, and I don't have them on my phone. Mm -hmm. I don't have them anywhere else. So I would take those albums, the photo albums of my children. Awesome. 
If you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would you want to be sitting next to? Well, I would definitely invite you. That's for sure. I've, <laughs> I want to, I've read your book and I will read your book more than once in, in my lifetime. That's for sure. Once, I think everyone should read your book. Thank you, but Lally. if I was, and you could join me because I want to sit with Victor Frankel, Joseph Campbell and Jung all together and we could have a great conversation. Uh, wh- what do you think the outcome of that conversation would be? Oh my God. I always thought about this, um, what it would be like. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like in awe. It's like meeting a rock star. I think I would just ask a question like, what's the most important thing that they learned from their lives? And then just learn, soak it in. Mm. I, I just, I want to learn everything that I can from them. What's the best advice that either those three or your parents or anybody else you've bumped into in life, either live and in living color or in a book, what's the best advice you've ever received, Lally? So I got it from a book and it was from Viktor Frankl. And this is what he taught me. He taught me when you're no longer able to change a situation, that we will always be challenged to change ourselves. And that, I've, that has been profound in my life. Unpack that a little bit. What what does that mean to you, and what does it mean to our listeners? So let's say you're in a you're in a situation where it's difficult, where it's challenging, and so you want the situation to change. You want things to be different, but maybe they can't be different. This is the reality, and if this is the reality, we have to stop looking outside for change. We have to see how we can be flexible and agile within that circumstance. How can we change ourselves? How can we challenge ourselves almost to take us to the next level or to find something within us that can just be different? And I'm always looking for, I never, I don't feel like I'm the same as I was yesterday. I'm always looking to take myself to the next level, to learn something new, to challenge myself. And that's what that means to me. It's just lolly, continuously grow and learn and change and stay agile. Mm. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, the biggest lesson that I had to learn is that stop going for perfect because there's no such thing as perfect and i found that if i was going to live a very meaningful life if i was going to be the rebel in my life that makes a difference it means that i would have to live with my imperfections it means that i would have to just live from being the best version of who i was and let go of perfect Mm. I think we might all benefit from hearing that either as a 20-year-old or at least hearing it today loud and clear. So, Lolly Daskal, this is my final question of you today, my friend. It's been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you want your one sentence to read? Lolly saw greatness in everyone she met. Uh, Lolly Daskal, you have seen greatness in everyone you've met. And the cool thing is uh, when we meet you and when we read your words, we see greatness back in you. Thank you. Um, Lolly, how can folks learn more about you and, and follow you online? So my book is available right now for pre-order. And if you order it now, you get lots of gifts and bonuses at the leadershipgapbook.com. Or you can find me always at lollydaskell.com. My friends, that was Lolly Daskal. This is John O'Leary, and today is your day. Live inspired.
Well, my friends, if you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, take a few moments. You can rate the show. You can review the podcast. It's a quick way that helps us get the word out. Although we are in some regards still launching, baby, we are the little engine that could racing up the hill, racing up the tracks, racing up because we have the energy, the heart, the belief, the prayers, the support of each one of you. Now more than 350 strong, 350,000 strong. Get your hands wrapped around that one. Uh, Do me a favor. If you're enjoying it, keep telling friends, man. Tell the guys and gals that you work with, that you eat dinner with, that you hang out with on the weekends, that you worship with, that you are part of the Live Inspired podcast movement, and that in spite of the negativity in media and frequently in social media, uh, that this podcast reminds us that life may not be easy, but it is worth it. My friends, for this time and until next time, This is John O'Leary, and this is your day, Live Inspired.